We welcome you to join with us in worship and remembrance as we remind ourselves once again of the, the love and the grace and the mercy that flow from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And to help focus our minds on the praise that we want to give to God our Father, let's begin by singing together from the hymn book, hymn 118. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. O my soul, praise him, for he is thy health and salvation. Let's join together in prayer. <clears throat> well, Lord God, our Father in heaven, we praise you, Father, and Lord Jesus Christ, we praise you also. In fact, we Realise, Father, as we stand before you and Lord Jesus, that we don't praise you enough. Help us to praise you more through our words and particularly through our actions. Help us to try and do better for you in the future. But above all, Lord, we praise you and thank you for your grace and mercy. Shower down upon us again this morning. Thank you for this new day. Thank you for our health and strength. Thank you for our food and clothing and our shelter. Holy Father, we pray for your forgiveness. Oh Lord God, help us to be more aware of you in our everyday lives. Aware of your promises. Aware of your mercy to us all. Aware of the great promise of the second coming of Jesus Christ, of the hope that that gives to us. So, Father, we pray that you'll meet with us now this morning. Meet with us as a family, Father. Guide us. We pray that you will nurture a spirit of togetherness amongst us, that we might be strong for you in the days ahead. And we think about our world, Lord, and the terrible events that are rocking Norway at the moment, and the famine in East Africa, and the homelessness in our country in many cities throughout the world, which show to us the real need for the coming of Jesus. And we pray for that day soon to come. And we pray, Lord, for your guidance to be with all those who are seeking to, to bring help and peace and justice to those in our troubled world. So be with us, Father, we pray now, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And in terms of the care news that I've got, Tony's mum, Joan, died on Friday evening. Um, I think it all happened a bit quicker than everyone was expecting. Um, so our thoughts and prayers are going to be with Tony and the family. Vicky's dad, Colin, seems to be recovering from what they think was just a virus now. Um, he wasn't able to come up to Macclesfield yesterday because he didn't feel well enough, but it's encouraging that he is getting better. Rosie got in touch, I think, this morning with Sheila. Brian Clements, who is Rosie's brother-in-law, is having his heart operation this coming Thursday, all being well. So we will pray for Brian shortly. And it's good to see you here this morning. We know that you're still having things to struggle with in your life, but we pray for God's blessing upon you. 
And Easter is not well at the moment, but he does also appreciate our prayers. It's good to see you here, Issa. I've been asked to lead the pastoral prayer, so if there are other friends, family members that you'd like us to pray for at this time, please let me know and we will include them in our pastoral prayer. Okay, so we'll pray for Christine's friend Joyce, who's recently had an overdose. Okay, if you'd like to bow your heads and join me in prayer to our Father. Father God, we, we know you to be a God full of love, abounding in care and compassion towards your creation. You know of all things that take place, and you ask us to put our trust in you. Father, upon our hearts at different times, our cares and concerns for people that we love, and we present them to you now in their different states of suffering and illness and difficulties and hardships and we ask you to pour out your love into their lives Father it is sad to know when people die and Lord we can only begin to imagine the loss that Tony's feeling right now Father, come alongside Tony and all the family. Give them the strength and encouragement they need at this time. Help us to be your loving arms around them. Father, we thank you that Vicky's dad, Colin, is on the mend. It's good that Vicky and the family can be around him at this time and show him your love and encouragement. It'd be good to see him again fit him well. Father, we pray for Brian, who is going to have a heart operation on Thursday. It makes me shudder to think about bodies being cut open and hearts being touched by metal and steel and what happens in those things. But you've blessed people with the skills and abilities to do these operations. And Father, we pray that this operation goes well and Brian is fully healed from what takes place. Lord, it is good to have our brothers and sisters amongst us. Even those who are struggling and fighting with difficulties in their lives, whether it's illness, depression, whatever's going on, Lord, thank you for bringing them in our midst that we can care and look after them. Father, we pray for Jan's mum who has had a recent fall. Again, be with the family in her recovery. Be with Jan's mum and help her to be fully healed and restored back to good health. Then we think of Christine's friend Joyce, who has got to the stage in her life where she feels that taking an overdose is the only thing she can do. Father, be with Joyce as she goes back home. And may you support her and show her your love that she doesn't get to that point again that Christine and her friends can come around her and help us through this time. Father, it feels like we come to you with such a long list of things to ask and tell you about, but you welcome them. You want us to share our concerns with you, and so we do, Father. We put all things into your hand, knowing that you also give us a job to do on this world. Strengthen us in our work. Help us to show your love to the people around us.
Thank you for hearing our prayer. Amen. We'll take our reading um, now, brethren and sisters. We've just restricted ourselves to our New Testament reading today. We're going to read from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 25. And from verse 1 to verse 30, uh, Sister Janet will lead us in reading. And then from verse 31 to the end, uh, Sister Sylvia will lead us in reading. Thank you. Matthew 25, verses 1 to 30. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom! Come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for us, for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the the bridegroom arrived The virgins, who were ready, went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later the others also came. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. Therefore keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See how I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. 
Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant, you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers, so that when I returned I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him, and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him, and throw that worthless servant out into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people, one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right, and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, or needing clothes, or sick or in prison, and did not help you? He will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. As we think about our priorities in in life, as we wait for the return of the Lord, I thought these sort of thoughts are brought together in our next hymn from Praise the Lord, number 132. All I once held dear and built my life upon, all this world reveres and wars to own, all I once thought was gain, I have counted loss, spent and worthless now compared to this. Our reading from uh, Matthew's Gospel sort of 
uh, led us in the direction we're going to be thinking this morning in our exhortation. I'll ask uh, David now, please, to come forward and give us those words of exhortation. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Andrew has uh, alluded to some of the things that we're going to be thinking about this morning. Um, And I'd just like to introduce um, some of the thoughts I'm going to be sharing with you uh, by reading to you some of Paul's words from 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. That moment, the second coming of our Lord Jesus, is something that we all believe in. We all believe that Jesus will one day return to set up God's kingdom here on this earth. And that prospect of eternal life in God's kingdom is why we're all here today. It's why we come to church, it's why we worship, um, and it's why we work to further the gospel in in this community that we are in. This morning I want to ask you a, a question. And that question is, is the kingdom of God always at the forefront of our minds And is it the one thing above all that we focus on? Now for me, I know that it's not always at the forefront of my mind. I I believe in the kingdom, definitely. But in terms of my priorities, in terms of the things that I've got going on, more often than not, I'm concerned with the here and the now. Now, I want to uh, just try and illustrate for you... um, the state of my mind on a regular day. Um, and to do this, I want to use Microsoft Word. Now, some of you may not have used Microsoft Word, but um, for those of you that are familiar, I want you to imagine that my mind, and might be your mind as well, is represented by a page um, in, a, in, in a Microsoft Word document. And on that page are lots of images Lots of images that represent the, the things, all the various different things that we have going on uh, in our minds. Uh, it could be anything about work, about family life, uh, about finance, what it, whatever it is. There's loads of pictures and it's all very cluttered uh, and it's very untidy. And then just hidden at the back of all those, those images is the thought of the kingdom. And in Microsoft Word... It has a very handy tool because you can select that image that's right at the back and you can say, bring it to the front. And it brings it straight to the front, it jumps to the front and all those other images, they go to the back so you can focus on the one that's about the kingdom. Uh, And that's what I want to try and do this morning. Uh, I want us to put all all the other stuff to the side, rummage through... Uh, all the other stuff that fills our minds and bring the kingdom to the front. The treasure of the knowledge of the kingdom that we all have, let's bring that to the front of our, of our minds. And it's hard to keep our minds focused on the kingdom with all the other things that uh, we have going on in our lives. But it's absolutely essential 
that we do that, as Jesus teaches us in the parables that we've read together in Matthew 25. And we're going to, um, this morning, dive into some of the the lessons uh, that Jesus teaches us in these parables. Um, But before we do that, it's important to set these uh, teachings in some context. And the parables of the ten virgins and of the talents, uh, the context of those comes in the form of the Olivet Prophecy in Matthew 24. And unlike a lot of prophecies in the Bible, which use a lot of imagery to describe uh, the events that are, are due to take place, the Olivet Prophecy is very, very direct. Let's turn, let's turn to Matthew 24 now. Verse 6 of Matthew 24 says, You will hear of wars and rumours of wars. But see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. So far... 2011 has been a pretty momentous year. We've had wars, we've had rumours of wars. The the so-called Arab Spring um, has seen some pretty unprecedented changes um, in power. It's seen some horrific scenes of violence and bloodshed and some of that, it's still ongoing. It's kind of been put to the back of the news agenda. We've just on Friday... seen these horrific events in Norway and we've also had massive earthquakes and at the moment of course a terrible famine the most powerful earthquake ever to hit Japan happened in March and currently of course we're seeing those those horrible pictures of of children and and adults starving uh, in the Horn of Africa these are all signs that point to the fact that we are living here on the brink. We are living on the brink of the second coming of Jesus. Verse 29 of Matthew 24. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near, right at the door. The kingdom of God is near. So, let's encourage each other now um, with the the teaching and, and the words that Jesus gives to us in Matthew 25. And the first parable in Matthew 25 is all about watching, about waiting and making sure that we are ready. 
Jesus starts uh, the parable of uh, the ten virgins in verse 1 with this. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like. At that time. That's why the the context of this parable is is so important. Jesus is referring back to what he's just said um, in his, his prophecy. And as we know, we are in that time. The things going on in the world tell us that. And Jesus' return is imminent, and so we have to be ready. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Reading, reading that, uh, when, I, when, when, I was, when I was preparing for this, it, it reminded me of, of when, you, when you go on holiday, um, and you have to get up really early to, to go to the airport. You've got a flight at about six o'clock in the morning, and it means you have to get up at about two. Um, now, in order for you to get that flight, you need to have packed everything and got everything ready the day, or if you're my wife, the week, uh, before you're going. Now, it'd be, it'd be no good uh, getting up and all that you've done the day before is gone and got your empty suitcase out of the loft and hadn't bothered to put anything in it. If that's the case, you're going to miss that plane. And the idea of being ready that we're reading about here goes all the way back to the Old Testament. It goes back to the Exodus. And in order for the Israelites to be set free uh, from slavery... They had to be ready for when the call to leave Egypt came. Let's just go and have a look at that now in Exodus 12. Exodus 12 and verse 3. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. And on to verse 6. Take care of them until the fourteenth day of the month, when all the people of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire, along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or cooked in water, but roast it over the fire, head, legs and inner parts. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it, with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. And just go on to to verse 31. During the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Up, leave my people, you and the Israelites, go, Worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds as you have said and go and also bless me. We have to be ready because our call to uh, enter into the kingdom 
when Jesus returns could come at any time. And part of being ready for the return of Jesus requires us to wait. Um, And the Psalms give us uh, a lot of encouragement about what it means to wait upon the Lord uh, and how waiting for him helps keep his kingdom at the forefront of our minds. I'm just going to share a few of those passages in the Psalms with you now. Psalm 27 says, Wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Psalm 25, Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. Psalm 33, Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. And Psalm 62, Truly, my soul silently waits for the Lord. From him comes my salvation. He is my defence. I shall not be greatly moved. I'd like us to sing those, those words now, if that's all right. And those words are from Praise the Lord 188. So we'll sing that now, please. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins, who were ready, went in with with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later the others also came. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. So far this this morning, um, we've been thinking about a future kingdom that's brought on by the second coming of Jesus. And whilst it's so important to, to watch and to be ready for the imminent arrival of Jesus, that's only one part of the story. Because whilst uh, the event that's, that's spoken of in Matthew 24 has not yet happened, we are very much living in, in the kingdom of God here and now. What do I mean by that? Well, yesterday I was very uh, blessed to be able to witness a baptism down in Maidenhead. Um, and in witnessing that baptism, I witnessed the kingdom of God coming to our new sister. As a result of a broken body and the spilling of blood, when Rachel came up out of the the water, she had stepped into the kingdom age. She was transformed in that moment from death to life, from slavery to freedom, from spiritual mortality to spiritual immortality because of what Jesus has done for each of us in giving his life for us the act of baptism conveys us into the kingdom it says that in in, in Colossians Colossians 1 it talks about being conveyed into the kingdom 
The kingdom of God is now. And Jesus teaches us in, in the next parable in Matthew 25 to invest in now. Verse 14 of Matthew 25 Again, it will be like a man going on a journey. Again, it will be like. Again, at that time. That time, of course, being the time that Jesus is referred to in his prophecy. That time being now. Now, to set the scene for this particular parable, um, I want to go back to the Olivet prophecy, but I want to do so by going to uh, the parallel record that's in Luke. And that's in Luke 21. I just want to pick up on one, one thing that's, that's just tucked away uh, in, in Luke 21. Luke 21 and, and verse 10. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, famines and pestilences in various places and fearful events and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will lay hands on you and persecute, persecute you. They will deliver you to synagogues and prisons and you will be brought before kings and governors and all on account of my name. This will result in your being witnesses to them. And in, for verse 13 in the New King James Version, um, it says, but it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. Now is our occasion for testimony. Now is our time to invest in the kingdom. I'm going to read uh, the parable of the talents uh, again, for, but this time from the message version. It's also like a man going off on an extended trip. He called his servants together and delegated responsibilities. To one he gave $5,000, to another 2000 to a third 1000 depending on their abilities. Then he left. Right off, the first servant went to work and doubled his master's investment. The second did the same. But the man with the single thousand dug a hole and carefully buried his master's money. After a long absence, the master of those three servants came back and settled up with them. The one given $5,000 showed him how he had doubled his investment. His master commended him. Good work. You did your job well. From now on, be my partner. The servant with 2,000 showed how he also had doubled his master's investment. His master commended him, Good work, you did your job well. From now on, be my partner. The servant given 1,000 said, Master, I know you have high standards and hate careless ways, but you demand the best and make no allowances for error. I was afraid I might disappoint you, so I found a good hiding place and secured your money. Here it is, safe and sound, down to the last cent. The master was furious. That's a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew I was after the best, why did you do less than the least? Why did you do less than the least? If God has given us Talent, all talents to use and to invest for the cause of the kingdom now, what good is it if we simply bury our heads in the sand and wait for Jesus to return? Living in the kingdom now is about using our talents to their maximum ability. 
That's what the servants with the most money in this parable did. And it's also what Stephen did. I want to have a look at the example of Stephen now. Uh, And that's in Acts chapter 7. Acts 7, I'm going to read from verse 51. This is Stephen's, Stephen's speech. You stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you are just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet like prophet your fathers did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You who have received the law that was put into effect through angels but have not obeyed it. When they heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and, yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. Stephen, filled with the Holy Spirit, was given this ability to speak on his occasion for testimony. But it doesn't necessarily have to be the ability to speak um, that we need for our occasion for testimony. We all have talents, and all of our talents are different. And one of the great things about this church is the diversity of the talents that God has given each of us. Um, At the the fellowship weekend, uh, Tim Genders um, spoke about uh, the enablers for labourers approach uh, that they use for preaching in South Africa. And what that approach does is it homes in on our individual talents and it puts them to work. Whatever gift it is that God has given us, he has entrusted us with it. And he expects us to use that gift to the best of our ability as we proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. Stephen paid the ultimate sacrifice for standing up and investing in now. But he did it. He put himself on the line because Jesus put himself through torture to save us. I uh, cycle to work and occasionally I get stuck behind a horrible smelly bus. Uh, But on the back of buses, you've all seen them, they have uh, advertising banners and one of the ones recently has been for Olympic tickets. And Olympic tickets have been advertised as the greatest tickets on earth. We have, each of us, the greatest news on earth. The knowledge of the kingdom of God 
is the priceless treasure that we, just like Stephen, have. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians. Corinthians chapter 3. Now read from, from verse 18. And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth, plainly we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts, to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Physically, investing in now is tough. It requires effort that will put strain on our mortal bodies. But physical pain leads to spiritual gain. Spiritual gain that is, is summed up in the reward uh, that the shepherd gives his sheep in the final parable that Jesus shares with us in Matthew 25. Verse 34, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. In answer to the first question that I put forward at the start, We've hopefully seen how, how watching, being ready, waiting and investing in now is so crucial in keeping the kingdom of God at the forefront of our minds. The second part of the question um, was, is the kingdom the one thing above all that we focus on? 
Part of helping our focus comes in what we do here each week when we remember that eternal life in in God's kingdom is only made possible by what Jesus did for us on the cross. Having come through the waters of baptism, each of us are united with Christ, firstly in his death, but secondly in his resurrection. And because we have put on Christ in this way, we can stand here today with unveiled faces, reflecting the glory of the kingdom of God. The resurrection of Jesus is key. A few more words from from 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45. So it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural. And after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man from heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the man from heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the likeness of the earthly man, so shall we bear the likeness of the man from heaven. I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. We stand here knowing that because of what Jesus did, death has been swallowed in victory. We stand here waiting for the wedding feast. We stand here on the brink of a face-to-face meeting with the risen Lord Jesus. Our last passage comes from Revelation. Revelation 22. Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let him who hears say, Come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come, and whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. We'll sing 
now about the, that coming in the words of Hosanna, which is a song that we sang at the Fellowship Weekend. And we'll sing that now. Please remain standing. We'll give thanks for the bread. Ask Brother uh, Mark, please, to come forward and give thanks. Father, it was said, I believe, help thou my unbelief. And we've been thinking this morning about your kingdom, which probably at some point in all our lives, we believe with all our being and seek with all our being. And yet there are times, Father, when we struggle to believe. There are times when we, we perhaps try not to believe and put all the things in its place that, that seem better. So, Father, help us in our endeavours to seek first your kingdom. We think about our Lord, Father, who, who for the vision that was set before him endured the things in his life, and the cross and we're taught Father by your word that it is the things that we suffer and go through in our lives whether it's a spiritual struggle or a physical struggle that gives us perseverance that helps us each day to understand better your character and to build our own characters into that which resembles that of the Lord Jesus and as we build that character, Father, we're made more aware of the hope which is revealed in him. The hope of a kingdom to come. And you promise us, Father, not to be disappointed by that hope. And you fill us with your love as we await that glorious day. So help us, Father, to treasure these things deep within us, as did Mary the Lord's mother that we can dwell on them and that they can once more fill us with a, a fullness which gives you glory and pleasure thank you Father to our Lord we pray Amen the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I ask our brother John Brown, please, to lose and give him thanks for all. Our gracious Father and Lord of all life, both our experiences in this life now and the wisdom from your word, and having been reminded of that which is to take place, Lord, we realise that the time ahead when man's ignorance, rejection and rebellion, when man's practicing detestable things will be all done away, will give both ourselves and those who you bless this to the greatest pleasure of all time. And we come to you now and we thank you for this, Lord. We look forward to the glories of that time we look forward to the newness of that time and the refinement of that time. And as we turn to thank you for Jesus, we realize that it was because of the joy 
of pleasing you, completing his mission, and of all that that lay ahead, he was able and willing to have his blood shed. And we thank you for that and remember that now. And as we also realise and acknowledge that the price of liberty is eternal vigilance, we pray as we have been exhorted this morning and as we remember Jesus, we pray that we may in the future that remains to all of us be more vigilant about your business. Hear us, accept us, forgive our weakness, we pray, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it, in remembrance of me. Keeping the theme of our morning in mind, I thought we could conclude with, I want to serve the purpose of God in my generation. I want to serve the purpose of God while I am alive. Praise the Lord, number 50. <clears throat> After which Martin will uh, close with prayer for us. Thank you. Lord God, we have been challenged today. We have been challenged to keep our focus on you and not to be distracted by the small things, relatively speaking, that do distract us from day to day. Lord, we have been challenged to keep a focus on you and your, your Son. Lord, we've been challenged to seek him and to see him in those small things that are around us. We've been challenged to see him and to serve him in the communities and in the, the, in the communities that we live in the, and the people that we meet and the need that we come across. Lord God, we pray that you will help us to rise to those challenges, that you will help us to serve you in our generation. Lord, we can't do this on our own and we need you to provide the, the strength and we need each other to provide the support to do it. Lord, bless us and strengthen us, we pray, to serve and support in the name of Jesus.